0: Hello and welcome to PrideCast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics. I'm Stephen Gorchop.
1: And I'm Mike Neely. On episode 25 today, we chat with Vice President and Director of Athletics Rick Cole Jr. We hope you enjoy. Go Pride!
0: Well, hello Hofstra fans, and as we said, we are now joined by Vice President... And Director of Athletics here at Hofstra, Rick Cole Jr. Rick, thanks as always for joining us. How are you today? I'm, I'm wonderful and uh, love spending time with you guys. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time uh, out. Uh, it's been a wild two and a half months since we last spoke. I think we spoke in early September as the uh, semester was getting underway. Uh, you know, like, let's first ask, how are you? How's your family? You have three kids in college. How has that, how has this been for them?
2: Uh, You know, everybody's good. Appreciate you asking. Um, I think it's been for them like it is for all of our athletes here. I think there's, you know, they're learning how to adjustment um, and pivot and remain nimble. You know, one's testing, you know, getting COVID tested every day for three months. We know the other one's playing part-time the other one can play in the spring. So it's, you know, the navigation of this for 18 to 23 year olds is very interesting throughout the country. You know, I've got one in New York, one in California, one in North Carolina, and we're on Long Island. So it's, you know, everybody handles this, um, you know, every state handles it different, every region handles it different. Um, But thank God, uh, you know, they're safe and they're well. Um, But like the rest of us, you know, navigating through uh, uncharted territories and and challenges. Yeah, you said it, navigating through uh, the challenges and everything that's come with it.
0: As as our fall semester is winding down here at Hofstra, Can you kind of give us some insight from your role as a a vice president, director of athletics, who are on constant Zooms with other institutions and medical experts and kind of managing the department through this after, you know, three months ago when you were planning on managing the department through this, now looking
2: back at how you managed? Well, I think, I think we'll evaluate how I manage at a later date because the day to day is the constant change, right? And, you know, I'm really proud of, of what our athletes and staff are trying to do every day. You know, it's, um, you know, you live it personally, you live it professionally, right? And, and spending time in the space of higher education for 30 years and then having three kids that are in higher education now you know, as, as an athletic director who, who watches coaches work tirelessly and staff work tirelessly and student athletes, you know, navigating and trying to do the right thing that, and, and the smallest imperfection is just so different than a year ago, you know, like, you know, you talk about, you know, there's a no, whether it's a no guest policy, whether it's, oh, I left my mask off for just a minute, you know, and you know, forget about parties and all that kind of stuff, which we, you know, I think we've we've done the very best they can, you know, to really make, to try to make good decisions and sacrifice for the the good of the order and the good of the organization. You know, so I, I think we're navigating, Stephen. I think it's, you know, I think COVID fatigue comes in many shapes and sizes. And I think it's, it's, it's like competing for success in life or competing, wanting to win championships. Champions have won based on how you train all year long, not just in season. You know, so it's the same thing for us. You know, we are whether it's, you know, in revenue generation um, or athletic communications or coaching or being an AD, you know, there's, we are absolutely, um, absolutely trying every day in every way to make sure everyone's safe and to get people competing and succeeding academically um, as safe as possible, knowing that the rules change every day,
1: every hour. Absolutely. So on that, Rick, uh, there's a committee in the athletic department led by J.R. Tinian, uh, who has kind of led the way on a lot of the protocols. Can you talk about their role, um, you know, and how difficult it is overseeing the unknown? Well, you know,
2: you know, navigating through um, an unknown is challenging when health and safety is not involved. Right. But, but there's such responsibility and, ownership to trying to do the, the right thing. And, you know, no competition is worth risking, you know, the welfare of our student athletes, coaches and staff and, you know, finding out the right testing process. You know, the state of New York has different mandates and rules that, and guidelines that we need to follow that the rest of the union does not. From reporting to testing to travel to, you know, so Jay has really worked hard, has, has our staff on, on trying to remain on top of this. Um, especially um, especially, when it comes to the fact that we have seasons moving, um, schedules moving, you know, uh, testing moving. Um, so, you know, there are guidelines we have to follow in, re- in regards to testing and competition, right? So, you know, that's going to change. So if you would have told, ta- and I think I've said this to you guys, and I'm, I'm going to go backwards a little bit if you'll allow me to, and if it wasn't to you, I've absolutely said it. If you would have said to a coach or an athlete, or Stephen, if I said it to you, Stephen, you know what? We're gonna cancel the basketball tournament this summer. I mean, this past winter, we're gonna cancel it. Or coach, you know, you know what? You're not gonna recruit on the road for nine months. The earth would have stopped rotating. Crazy talk. Absolutely. People would have crazy talk. Crazy. Like Cole, you are out of your mind. You you, you should get out of that chair. You have no right being there. Absolutely. Now it's what's next? What do we got to do? You know, we're canceling what we're moving this. We're going to shift there. The NCAA. Let's move the whole um, 68 team tournament to Indianapolis. Oh, by the way, we usually bid that five to five to six years out. Let's just make a decision. Change it in two months. Put a bubble up. Test everybody and change. You know, the face of television and media rights throughout the country in that fast. Right. Oh, by the way, football schools. You're not going to play on Saturday. You have too many positives. We're going to move that game. We're going to pass. We're going to, this is crazy talk. Right. And, and I think honestly, Steven, that description is kind of like our crazy talk is normal. Right. It is a different language we are all speaking and the challenges that we face as the enterprise of higher education, intercollegiate athletics, the medical field, secondary and primary education, the rules to the game of organizational behaviors and organizational strategy have changed. It's a different language. And You know, some days it you know it's fatiguing, and some days you gotta you know pull up your bootstraps and say, "Let's go, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going." On to the next,
1: which we have been doing. um, You know, and I think it's mid-November here now. Hofstra teams are are, you know some are getting ready to compete. Um, So most, if not all, have had the opportunity to return to play. Strength and conditioning activities are going on. How proud, Rick, are you of the university's medical team? Um, everyone who really has made it possible um, and then the, the teams and coaches themselves too, who have, have kind of, you know, led on
2: that, that part too. I'm sorry. I, for some, I, the, I didn't hear the last part.
1: How proud are you of everybody?
2: Can you hear me? Okay, guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, sorry. I, I might've hit a button um, and no comments about my techno, tech, my technology. <laughs>
1: um,
2: how proud am I? Um, you know, characters is defined how you respond to situations and, and you know, athletes are, are often judged when things are tough and the games are the tightest, you know, and, and I'm really proud. Um, you know, part of the caution you have to be careful of when you'd like to compete is it, we, we like to and I like to continue a high expectation culture. So we expect greatness from our community. We expect greatness from our athletes and coaches, and, and we keep that bar very high, which runs the risk of not getting over that bar as often as you'd like. But I think that I'm, you know, when you press pause and take a look, man, I'm really proud of our coaches and staff. Like I said, this is not easy. The navigation of the new normal, and I know those cliches and expressions are, you know, drive people crazy, but guys, this is this is beyond new normal. This is just new lunacy, you know, crazy talk. But um, go ahead, Steven. Uh, no, I
0: was going to segue into basketball, which is you've talked about. This isn't new normal. This isn't. It, it's. It's. I, I don't know what the crazier part is that you know. Obviously, it's a health and safety concern. So there's the testing, but you're testing three times a week once you're in season. And we are. It's November 18th, and neither. And we're not alone. Most teams in the nation haven't announced non-conference basketball schedules yet. Uh, Can you? We know how difficult it is. Can you walk us through the steps as a uh, director of athletics in scheduling non-conference games and the challenges this year that you face,
2: especially as a school in New York State? Well, you know, Stephen, I'll go further. I mean, the three of us know how we try to operate as an organization. We challenge the heck out of each other. We expect a lot. We expect to be great. You know, we don't pause enough to say, job well done right? You know, so when when you have that kind of personality, right, and we're changing schedules every day because of travel guidelines, positive tests, you know, the state rules, challenge, you know, all of a sudden leagues are changing their schedules, their league schedules again, which have a role, you know, have a trickle-down effect to non-conference schedule. It's crazy, right? And it's, it's the fact that, you know, you would be under normal circumstances, you would be um, impossible to work with, not having announced a schedule at this point in the regular year. You would, be, you just, you couldn't breathe. You don't function that way. But we all look at each other and say, "Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to get that out tomorrow because, oh, that's right. The three contracts just changed. We have three new games and three out of seven because we have less games than we normally do. And but that's who we are, you know. And um so the navigation of that's difficult right because the the scheduling and the drama of it and you can't go too high or too low it's on to the next what do we got to do today what do we have to do at this moment what do we have to do in three hours you know stay healthy you know no pot no you know knock wood you know we don't have positives in in the in the bubble in our circles and our in our tier ones because then we'll be moving them again and the analogy i made about basketball and I'm, i'm finding myself repeating it is that basketball is now being viewed like a northeast baseball or softball team we are canceling postponing rescheduling because of rain and like i mean if you maybe had one a year that's right perfectly said. if you had one a year of a snow day right one that would be like oh my gosh we had to move a game because of snow right but we're, we're really going into this thinking it's baseball and softball we don't know what week's going to have rain and what week's not and yeah. is, is the game quote-unquote playable or are we going to try to pivot so and oh we're going to drop this team, so maybe this team dropped a game. So we're going to pick up this team, who we never play ever. Or I'm going to—we've already played that game once in basketball. Let's play them again, maybe a third time, right? But again, crazy talk that is now you know part of absolute solution-based thinking. As we get closer to announcing
0: these schedules or just playing the games without people knowing when they are, uh, there there is obviously a much closer regionalized model. But your programs are still able to play some games that are both against the regional opponents and some nationally recognized opponents, which we're excited to announce when the time comes. Uh, What kind of excitement is that, even in this quirkiest of years, that your programs are still going to get to play games, games that matter against local opponents and games that matter against nationally recognized opponents?
2: Well, Stephen, I think the whole country's gone to the need for regional model, right? And because of the travel challenges, restrictions, and trying to keep our student athletes as safe as we can. And, you know, you know, we, we look at the regional model more so. And, and I'm a huge advocate of it, regardless of what your league looks like and all that kind of stuff. I'm a huge advocate of it's good for the enterprise of college athletics. If we're all playing each other regionally, you know, we want to play the best teams in the region. We want to play the St. John's. We want to play the Seton halls. We want to play the, you know, we want to play the Stonerbrooks of the world. What a great rivalry for Long Island and us. And we, and we really enjoy that. You know, you're not supposed to have, you know, say good things about your opponents. St. Stonerbrooks is a great university and they, they are, you know, they have a great athletics program. They have a great AD, St. John, same thing. Like we want to play those institutions. We want the, the, the local rivalries to gain momentum and traction. That's great college basketball. That's great baseball. That's great lacrosse. It's great soccer. Like uh, and you know what? If we're not successful against the local, you know, t- region, my response is simple: we need to be better, right? Don't tell me why we can't play them because we can't beat them. Get better, beat them. Try to beat them. We don't win them all. We try to. But let's try to let's try to really get people engaged in our region of college athletics.
1: And, and Rick, while we're on the topic of scheduling, obviously it's a uh, a very different. CAA conference schedule this year. Can you kind of walk us through how that scheduling came about?
2: Yeah, a lot of hours on the Zoom. (laughs) And, you know, we went from this, you know, what we really thought was just a great concept of the extreme flexibility model, and that talked about really giving flexibility within the league to try to get X amount of games in based on what you were able to play. And that was really early in the process. You know, that was early in the process of early in COVID and we're trying to get ahead of it. And, and philosophically it was great, but we didn't think about travel bans and all that kind of stuff. We were trying to look as as economically keeping people close to campus. You know, you know financially everybody's looking through a different lens this year because of lost revenues and, and whether it be rental or media rights or corporate whatever, or just institutional budget because of the challenges of of, of COVID and, and attendance and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, as as we're navigating navigating through that, we've also had to look at creativity again. And then we picked up the fall and moved to the spring. And think about this, guys. And I know Stephen, we'll probably get to this, but we're going to well, have you're, you're ruining this. Every single sport going at once. Steven's not going to – I'm, you know, Mr. Sensitivity that I am. Steven's not going to sleep for five months, and I'm okay with it because that means we'll be playing games and the staff and sports medicine and facilities. I might be throwing soccer balls in from the sideline. You know, I'll get pneumonia again. Right. That's right. So, like, at the end of the day, like, we're going to figure it out, and we're going to be so thankful that we get to play games, and we'll figure it out together. And if the AD's on the sideline because some reason we – you know, the ball – you know, man or woman didn't show up, then we do what we got to do to get games in. Near near and dear to your heart, we get to, right? And we do get to. And you know what? Like, even as, you know, this morning, we had some challenges with scheduling, some real challenges. And I'm sitting there like, we got to be reminded what we're fighting for here. We're fighting for the opportunity for, in a healthy way, our men and women to compete and represent our great institution. And what a privilege it is we get to do it. And if this is the worst thing that we have, Let's just keep fighting the good fight and finding a way, finding a way. Um, We'll get there. And I think one of the things that I, you know, that we're very fortunate about is that our staff will figure out how to do it, right? You know, we are, I mean, look, eight months we're going on, nine months, no games. Like we will do anything to get to games. How thrilled will we be the day that we can open up the doors and bring people back in to watch our great men and women and and be a part part of the family. But that's gonna be a while and we're gonna have to do it the right way. And we're gonna have to be patient even though that none of us are good at that game. And um, we'll we'll take it step by step and, you know, look for the moment of of the lunacy of 19 sports competing at once.
0: And uh, speaking of our great men and women, our uh, two basketball programs are obviously uh, deep into practice and getting ready for the start of their season. Uh, personally have you had a uh, opportunity to um to watch practices at all and kind of what uh have, have you seen anything uh you want to tip uh, tip off the fans the Hofstra fans to what they should be on the lookout for from uh, each program
2: yeah uh, you know I, I got really excited today I'm going to tell you a non-basketball comment first um I don't know why I go on these things in these interviews and Zooms because or, or however we're, we're whatever platform we will be communicating this but I got so excited when I went out and saw women's soccer um, taking their photo shoot <laughs> they were in uniforms I was like we're in uniforms this is
1: amazing <laughs>
2: you know and I was so excited by it I wanted to high five them hug them I couldn't get near them everyone had their masks on but it was so exciting to see them in uniform right and So I look over the court here and similarly, like I find myself in the days when you're just really frustrated and things get tough. I go over and look out the window and watch them play. And then I walk out on the balcony for a little bit and I, and I watch them play. And, you know, we just, you know, we have, you know, the kiss of death, the preseason number one seed, which says a lot about for our men and um, then how hard they've worked and are working and and the job our staff is doing acting head coach, Speedy, Colin, you know, they're just doing great stuff, you know, signing great kids, the culture of family, all that stuff. I'm so excited for these young men to get out there and play. And Danielle and, and, and her staff and the, and, the, and the players she's recruiting and, and, you know, we're a different team. So uh, I love the fact that we've got uh, – this is going to sound terrible. Pick this 10th. Okay. You know, store it somewhere. Good for them. It doesn't matter how they pick you. It matters how you finish. It matters the culture. It matters how you're building your, your, your program and – And you've heard me say it a million times, Danielle's going to, you know, she's building us the right way and she's instituting a culture and a climate and atmosphere that is productive and positive and high expectation and educational and teaching, 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 teaching. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for both basketball. I, You know, I encourage people to, you know, watch it online and stay with us, be a part of it.
1: Um, We need you now more than ever. Perfectly, perfect segue again. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to talk about kind of you know, different ways people can support and Rick, you know, obviously we had uh, an incredible success and response to the virtual golf outing. I could speak directly to the great response we've been getting from our fans for the virtual season ticket holders. Can you speak to, you know, how important it is right now for people to, you know, be there for us and and continue to support the athletic program specifically this year? Yeah. You know,
2: you know, now more than ever, we're going to need the support. Um, you know, the challenges are real, you know, obviously the expenses to COVID in and of itself on top of some, you know, some budget cha- you know, we have new, you know, revenues we're gonna have to raise in order to meet budget and do all those kind of things. And, and and there's no, and look, I'm a, a biased advocate of higher education and intercollegiate athletics and the, and the benefit it brings to the participants, to the supporters, to the institution, to the community. I just believe so strongly and passionately in it. Having said that, we have had success cause we have great, we have great fans. You know, we have people that want to be supportive. We have people that want to be um, we, we have people that actually want to say, how can I help, you know, and we're going to give them every opportunity to help, whether it's, you know, the virtual golf outing was a massive success and, you know, raising a hundred and almost $20,000. I mean, Steven probably knows it you know better than I do because of the article. He probably you know covered it somewhere I did, but I was shocked by it, but I shouldn't be shocked. Right. I was like, what a great opportunity for us to be, be able to provide people a participation opportunity in very challenging times, and to see their face and to cut out you know, you know in a season ticket. But we will be coming forward with a campaign that we're going to ask for people to help us, and we're going to need it this year more than ever before. Where your support, and then I'm not going to be shy, and you two won't be shy. Everyone that works at Hofstra Athletics is not going to be shy saying we need your help. We need you now more than ever for our student athletes, for their their safety, for their support. Um, for their success, now's the year that we have to step forward um, as a group, moving forward collectively, um, piece by piece, donation by donation, supporter by supporter, um, we, you know, to really, to, to, to stabilize us and, and, and get us to a point of success that we can get out of this very difficult year. Perfectly said, and uh, kind of our
0: last question before we end with our normal uh, trio of fun questions. Rick, uh, you, you touched on it earlier, the the normal spring season and then the fall in the spring season and basketball basketball and wrestling still finishing in the spring it is going to be something like college athletics has never seen in the history and will never see again what what thoughts do you have as we we're now you know
2: two months away from this happening uh, can't wait for it. Like, I cannot wait to be here every day and night. I can't wait to go to games. Um, it's going to be an exciting, unique time that we'll talk about for years to come. Remember that semester when we had every game going? Holy cow, right? So if we get to that blessing, you, we will all high five, virtual hug, however you want to call it. You we will back, be right. happy to Absolutely. be back. You know, so it's going to be crazy. There's no question about that. crazy. But crazy good, I think we all welcome. Yeah. yeah and we uh, certainly
0: do welcome it. And uh, now, uh, Mike, do you want to start with your – because you, you and Rick have
1: kind of this little uh, Yeah, so, thing. Rick, every time you're on the pod uh, here, I'm contractually obligated to uh, ask you a West Wing question.
2: I'm so, not going to be able to answer it as, as, as well as some of the other people on the staff, but have at it.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite scene?
2: Oh, uh, season two – um, the midterm season two episode three when President Bartlett just you know teaches Toby how how you how you get him you know and uh, you know he's just you know it's just you know it's organizational behavior. it's what I love about that show right and it's about leadership and it's about you know pivoting and challenges and trying to do the right thing and not just the easy thing and trying to serve, the greater good, not just one organization. But when President Bartlett goes in and, and talks about, um, and he talks about the, um, you know, um, you know, he, he the scene prior to the ending. He talks yep. about um, how Toby wants some time off, and he totally understands why, and he gets it, and he says, "Okay, you got 15 minutes." Yep. You know? and then. You're going to come back to work, and we're going to beat him. We're going to go back to work, we're going will work for the good. And then he goes into that room with the radio host, and it's just game over. And then Rob Lowe goes over and takes that crab uh, Oh, the
1: crab puff's hilarious.
2: Crab puff. <laughs> it's just okay. fantastic. Wait, wait. I think
0: we've reached our uh, limit of uh,
1: time allotted to West Wing. So I just right to- want to point out one other thing. That's how you know a true fan when you're able to say the name – of the episode the title of the episode there you go what's that i said that's how you know a true fan you're able to say the title of the episode well rick we we will end on uh
0: three uh food related uh um questions so uh first one this one's actually courtesy of uh our director of men's basketball operations sean smith uh how do you like your coffee uh milk just black with milk just it
2: just milk, Sugar? yeah. You know, you have to remember, I didn't drink coffee until I was 48 years old working at Hofstra. I never had a cup. Wow.
1: Really? Yes. Useless fact. Okay, Mike, next one's yours. So we just, we're a couple weeks after Halloween, and I know this is always a big debate. What are your top three candies?
2: $100,000 bar. That's one. That's, okay. Twix is two. Mm, let's say a Babe Booth or a Reggie bar.
0: Okay. Oh, Reggie Bar. That's like kind of out of left field there a little bit. Kind and, of our, the same. And, and our final question, since it's the uh, Thanksgiving holiday season, Rick, what is your
2: favorite side dish on Thanksgiving? Um, my favorite side dish uh, is uh, garlic whipped mashed potatoes. Well, Hofstra fans, you heard it here. It was a great
0: chat with Rick, and we ended it with some three very important questions. Uh, Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You know, we are as excited as you are for the start of basketball season and all that's going to follow it in the spring. Uh, Again, we can't thank you enough. We wish you well, and uh, we'll talk again soon.
2: All right, guys. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Rick.
1: Thank you for joining us on Pridecast. Make sure you follow the Pride online at GoHopster.com and on social media at Hofster Pride.
0: And stay tuned for more episodes coming soon.